Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings and welcome to the Do Business Better podcast. I've got friend of show and friend of mine, Larry Wingett, returns to the Do Business Better podcast. And today we're going to talk all about sales. That's right. It's a dirty word for some, but it shouldn't be. If you are in business, a solopreneur, entrepreneur, own your business, want to own your business, no matter where you are, if you want to be successful, you have to have a degree of salesmanship or saleswomanship. Why? Because no great product. I say this in my book, and I want it to be clear to you. You've heard all this thing, uh, and Larry's going to agree with me on that. By the way, welcome to the show, Larry. You bet. Uh, and you should know this. Larry and I both were salespeople. We, we're not talking just as, oh boy, some, some person that gets on stage and talks. No, we do do that for a living. And we also sell our services as folks that get on stage and talk for a living. But we have both been in sales. Long before we ever were on a stage talking, we were salespeople. I've sold oil absorber products, Cutco knives, herbicide, and lighting fixtures, as well as the services of my own business for the last 25 years. Larry, tell them about your sales background. Well, I used to go door to door selling strawberries that I picked in our uh, two acres strawberry patch. And uh, I've sold everything my whole life. I started out in this industry actually as a sales trainer. I was an award-winning sales manager and salesperson for AT&T and Southwestern Bell. So, And I would really say that the key to the success that I've achieved in this business has been my ability to sell. You know, Red Motley wrote a book in the 1940s called Nothing Happens Until Something Is Sold. Yeah, that's the old thing that was on a, a, I took sales classes. And, you know, the guy that started the sales program at Purdue University was sort of maligned uh, because, you know, the academics, mm-hmm. uh, even in the School of Agriculture, just looked down upon it. And he said, you realize that more than half of our graduates here at the Purdue School of Agriculture go into a sales job. They sell herbicide, seed mm-hmm. corn, farm machinery, whatever it is, agronomic inputs. And so he said, why are we not teaching them how to sell? So I took two sales classes. And in on his office door, it had the old model from peddlers, if nobody sells, a terrible thing happens. Nothing. And so what I was getting ready to say in our And that gets a nasty uh, rap. It really does. And yet that's really the truth. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're thinking right now, the folks that are listening to this say, hey, I just went online and bought this. Well, that was a sale. Uh, You know, your company, I worked for Cooper Lighting and they were very fond of saying, well, we're a sales driven organization, which I thought, Aren't they all? I mean, yeah, we're out here. Yep. We're out here assembling light fixtures, or we go to Juarez and assemble light fixtures. But there's no demand for those light fixtures until somebody closes a deal and the transaction happens, so that those light fixtures get installed in the ceiling through a sale. So, uh, what I was getting ready to say in the entrance, Larry, was all of these people. And if they read my book, Do Business Better, they're going to see this uh, in my chapter 15, which is all about sales. You've heard the bullshit. Build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. That's not true. Biggest disservice that anybody's ever done to business was to say that. (laughs) Because you and I both know there's very mediocre average mousetraps that are selling and making somebody money. There are inferior products being sold at superior prices by good salespeople. And there are great products that are sitting on the shelf 
because they don't have good representation in the marketplace. And so here's the thing. We both, you and I both are product people. We like to have a good product. We like to have a saleable product, which is my rule number one. I've got 10 rules in my chapter on sales, and I really do hope you read the book, folks. If you're listening to this podcast, buy Do Business Better and, and read it. Chapter 15 is all about sales. Even if you're a salesperson, it's a nice brush up. If you own your own business, you need to sell stuff. Uh, Larry has a book that would help you, and it's got a whole section devoted to sales. It's called It's Called Work for a Reason. That's right. The book is called It's Called Work for a Reason. So pick up his book at LarryWinga.com or Amazon and, and read these. But we're going we're gonna to give you our take on sales right now. Having both been salespeople, having been, in his case, a sales trainer, and in my case, certainly, I've been selling myself, my services for 25 years. I've learned a heck of a lot. And the one thing I can tell you is, yes, you have to have a saleable product, not a better mousetrap, because people love to say that, and it's not necessarily true. Having a good mousetrap, yes, but has it got to be the world's best mousetrap? I say no, because, and Larry's going to comment on this, if you come up with a revolutionary mousetrap that's so different, nobody's ever seen it, it's going to require 10 times the amount of salesmanship right. because the world resists bold, new, and different. Humans don't like change. You're telling me you won't even vary how you drive to work, yet you're going to experiment with the most bold, new mousetrap in the world? No. Well, in this industry, the speaking industry, I tell people tell me all the time, I'm going to be successful because I'm different. I said, then you're doomed. Because no meeting planner is going to risk their money on different. They want it to be unique. Yeah. And, and unique is not different. <laughs> and because no one wants to risk their money, their time, their energy on something that is truly different. We want something that's unique. And what we need to remember, and, and my son's a fashion designer, and he always says 10% different is brand new. That's, that's a really good point right there. For instance, okay, you and I speak for a living. If you got up there and you were, you know, running around with, uh, uh, you know, wings on and, and acting like you could fly and, uh, you know, t- speaking in Swahili, that'd be different. Mm-hmm. But it sure as hell, no meeting player is going to say, you know what? I need a guy in Kansas City to get in front of my sales force who runs around speaking Swahili, wearing wings, acting like he can fly just because it'd be different. They're going to say, hell no. Yeah, I watched a guy the other day. I followed him at a, at a big meeting, and he rapped for 45 minutes a leadership talk. He really did. He rapped for 45 minutes, and I thought, that's different, it is and different. no one's ever going to hire him now again, ever. Uh, but So what I think people try to do is be different, and that's dumb. Uh, I think what they need to figure out is... Uh, how they are unique from, from other people in the marketplace. And, you know, our, our buddy Scott McCain wrote a book about distinct. That's sort of the same thing. And then he wrote a new one about iconic. And by the way, both great books create distinction. And then his new one, iconic. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening a- to his book, Iconic, on audio. And I got to tell you, no, there's some really good stuff in there. And he talks at great length about what iconic companies do. And he says that they don't have as such a focus on sales as they have such a focus on customer satisfaction. Now, that is something that you and I don't get into as much when we just talk about the nuts and bolts of sales, but there's something to be said for that. Well, it, because again, uh, I've said all the time, people go, oh, word of mouth. You get a lot of business because of word of mouth. And I say, no, I get a lot of business because of word of a hard earned reputation. Well, that's how I can tell the difference between you and somebody else. And that's what he's talking about in distinction and being iconic. If I can't tell the difference between you and you, all of your competitors, it's always going to come down to price. 
Yeah, yeah. So it becomes then it becomes a commodity thing. Yeah. And so uh, customer satisfaction is a part of sales because when, like I said, and dear listener, when you're when you're driving down the road, even if you find yourself guilty of, oh, well, you know, it just their business is great because of word of mouth. No, their business is great because of word of a hard earned reputation because they busted their tail, delivered a great product, took good care of customers, and did it repeatedly with consistency. Mm-hmm. That's not word of mouth. That's word of a great reputation that you worked really hard to earn. And you know the importance of sales that, and again, people are afraid of it and it's got a bad reputation. We've got the stereotypical used car salesman guy. And uh, so it's got a bad rap uh, along the way is that if you're in a financial bind, I really do believe you can sell yourself out of just about anything. There's no, I just shot uh, a video for my stuff about when you find yourself in financial crisis, what you have to stop right then and do and set everything else aside, you got to get on the phone and start selling. Mm-hmm. You got to knock on some doors. You got to do whatever it takes to ask people to buy from you. That's the fastest way to get back on track financially. You've experienced this in your business, your career. You got to sell when you're in trouble. Yeah, and and that's the the thing that probably was the the saving grace. You know, I went through a really bad setback in the early 2000s. My business had to change. I never lost my ability to still sell the the product, the services that I am capable of delivering. So. When you're looking at salespeople, I say, okay, we've already dispelled the whole myth about have a better mousetrap. Yes, you should have a great mousetrap. So have a saleable product. Now, that's the other one is that there's folks that come to you and me and they want to buy us a cup of coffee and pick our brains. And just so you know, listeners, we get paid for what we do. And also, I hate coffee. I really do. I hate, don't, don't ever offer me a cup of coffee. I don't drink coffee. But uh, one thing that folks get wrong is they, they have a really good idea. And then they want to start their own business, but it's not really saleable. And whether it's different or unique or whatever, that's not even the issue. It's sometimes the marketplace just has no demand for it. And I'm all for creativity, but saleability, the world's greatest salesperson can't sell a turd. Well, you don't want to have a product that's brand spanking new that nobody's ever seen before. We've already sort of alluded to that. So revolutionary that that uh, nobody's uh, got any concept of what it really is. So that's why I think that if you just figure out what's unique and 10% different is brand new, then you've got to get on the phone and ask people to buy. That combination, the value that you bring, the problem you solve, and your willingness to ask people to buy, that's what it's always going to come down to. Okay, so uh, of my 10 rules, one of them is, of course, ask for the order. And the person that is a great salesperson is driving their car, listening to this podcast right now, says, well, no, duh. Well, duh, because you and I both know there's all kinds of folks that are in a sales capacity or have their own business and they don't ask for the order. Well, you know, there are a lot of studies done about this and you can go look them up online. Google and the National Sales Executives Association talks about it's like uh, 75 to 80 percent of all sales call ends without the salesperson asking for the order. The customer never buys until they've been asked five times. You know, we, and, but we just don't ask for the order. But you know why I think we don't? Now, people argue that they do. We know better. They don't. Right. I think they don't is because they don't understand what happens when they ask the order for the order. They think that that person, when they say no, is rejecting them. Yeah, personally. Yeah, they make it at about rejection. I believe it's about refusal. In other words, I'm refusing you uh, uh, this order because you have not yet justified my need. 
Yeah, so there's that whole thing of uh, uh, the personal and emotional part of it. I just can't stand if this person says no. And then I say, and this is a big point to be made, well, I just don't really, I'm not comfortable with selling. I say, well, if you're in business for yourself, you better, you know, go to the park and, and feed breadcrumbs to the pigeons. And you don't have to ask them to sell or buy anything. You don't have to sell anything. But you better get real damn comfortable because your business is going to go broke and you're going to be living on that park bench. Mm-hmm. So we got to do it. And we've got to overcome the discomfort. But as you pointed out, a lot of folks take it as a personal rejection. Now, it might be just that it's not a fit. Or it, yeah. could, be, or it could be, like you said, they didn't demonstrate the need. Simplest point I can make about sales is really... You're just discovering a client, customer, prospect, person's problem and positioning yourself as a solution to their pain. And, you know, that's, that sounds like that's real hard to do. That's not hard to do. Why are you interested in this? And I don't care if you're selling a sweater in a clothing store. Why are you interested in a sweater? Yeah, you need something to Well, wear. I travel all the time and it gets really cold where I'm going. Hmm. Yeah. So that in simple. Okay, they just told you what you need to do. Yeah, and then you say, "Well, I'll tell you what, this is the warmest sweater we have. Uh, here's a pretty warm one, uh, and this one's actually the best looking one. So it's really kind of between the yeah. three. Yeah. Uh, why are you here to buy this car? Why are you looking at a new car? Yeah. Well, cause my old one, uh, the upkeep on it, or whatever. That's all you got to do is ask a person. And I do know that it's the it'll think online shopping is going to thrive not just because of the convenience, but because everyone, even guys like you and me, who are are get on a stage and talk. We're not intimidated by much, but still, I can tell you, if you walk into Macy's or JCPenney or name the store uh, and someone comes up, a sales clerk, and says, uh, can I help you? What do you first say? No, I'm just looking. Uh, but I don't usually say that. I say, actually, yes, you can. <laughs> I need this because I figure it cuts my wait time. It cuts my shopping time uh, down. But there's a reluctance to, uh, to ask for the order just because folks think that they're being sort of uh, pushy. Yeah, and they, they see it as pushy. See, I see selling as serving. That if I have a problem, I mean, I have a solution and you have a problem, and am, I know my solution really will solve your problem, I think I do you a disservice not to offer it to you. What's the biggest mistake uh, salespeople make? Is it not asking for the order or is there something worse? I think it's not knowing, well, a lot of things. I, I, first of all, it's not knowing what problem they solve. Okay, now here's the thing. I said salespeople, and right then a bunch of my listeners said, well, I'm not a salesperson. Again, if you are in business in any capacity, we all sell. You have to. Well, no, I'm a customer service person. That's part of sales. Well, I'm the product. You know what? There's no need for the product development unless it sells. So and really, please get this through your head. Uh, if you are in business in any capacity, you are in a sales capacity. You have to be. Managers, leaders have to sell their ideas. They have to sell their people who work for them on the idea of doing what they want to have done. <clears throat> Everybody's in a sales position. Everyone a is parent in position. is in a sales position to get their kid to do what they want them to do. So everyone needs to uh, to have a salesmanship and a saleswomanship uh, mindset. Biggest mistake I say is they don't ask for the order or you said it was they don't know what Problem they solve. Yeah. So it becomes real simple. A long time ago, I've used the example when I was a political comedian. For the first two years, I dressed up as Bill Clinton, you know, and I I did all this. For the first two years, I had this political comedy act, and I guess I wasn't good about telling the marketplace what it did. Once you get to where you say, it's Saturday Night Lifestyle comedy that's funnier, that's personalized to your corporation. Oh, Now I know what this is. Oh, and also the benefit, it makes your meeting amazing.
Yeah. Oh, there's the problem. So when you realize that these folks are putting on meetings and the, the VP of sales said, oh, for God's sakes, if you bring the harpist in again this year, I'm going <laughs> to shoot you. So the problem we were solving back then was boring meetings. Well, I believe there's a process, and this is how it works. It starts with pain. Everybody is dealing with a pain. Pain is caused from a problem. If you have a solution to a problem that alleviates pain, people will spend any amount of money to alleviate their pain. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand the pain. You have to know what problem causes that pain. You have to have a solution to that problem. Then you have to show them that if they bought your solution, this is what it would look like on the other side. This is the benefit. You flip the pain 180 degrees. So you go from pain to this totally different look that would feel different, give them tangible benefits, intangible benefits. So really, a a a tactic of sales is really just showing them the other side. It's really, it's showing them the end of the road. It's being Get them to recognize where they are and show them the other side and then get agreement that they don't want it to be the way it is now. They want it to be different. So it's not that difficult. Hey, we should have told you to turn your ringer off before we started recording this podcast. Larry Wiggins, my guest, by the way, and it's a great time for a quick little commercial break as he shuts his ringer off, ultimatebusinesssummit.com. This is Larry and his friends, Scott McCain and Randy Pennington's baby, and it is amazing. What you do if you want to be better, first off, buy my book, Do Business Better, but secondly, ultimatebusinesssummit.com. Ultimatebusinesssummit.com is the program they put on. You went to Vegas last time, spent a day and a half with business people, business owners, entrepreneurs, folks that want to be successful, get a day and a half with you to learn how to do better with what they're doing. It's client-driven. We take their issues, the audience's issues. They get to tell us what we're going to talk about when they first walk in the door. And we have, all of us, between the three of us, we have 100 years of speaking to and coaching people. That's fantastic. So ultimatebusinesssummit.com, you can help him out. And also, obviously, uh, you know, he's got a lot to say. He's got a lot of good stuff. We're talking about sales because, again, no matter what your role you're in sales, no matter where you are in business, People don't understand the problem, and you've got to be really good. You've got to be the Michelangelo of painting the picture of where things go. You're going to, you're going to show them the, the other side of the road. Show them where they're going. That's what we're really talking about. Okay. Now, I say that uh, one thing that really, really upsets the apple cart, if you're a business owner, business person, is not delivering. Because we've got folks that are really good at selling, and they can get the order, and they can get the business, and then they do not deliver. I use uh, an example about the door company. He did paint the end of the road, and he painted a picture, and by God, it was beautiful. And, you know, they bring him with their computer, and they show you this amazing door that's going to be on your home. And then you give them $6,000, and they say it's going to be about four weeks, maybe six, and it was 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. That's not delivering. That's uh, on the verge of fraud, and it pisses off customers. You know, I have one overriding rule for life and business, and it's so simple. Do what you said you would do when you said you would do it the way you said you would do it. Write that down. Write that down. Do what you said you would do when you said you would do it the way you you said said you would would do it. it. See, I believe that's all anybody ever wants from us on any level. I think that's what your husband wants from you if you're a woman. I think that's what you want from your wife. I think that's what your kids want from you and you want from your kids. But I and that's what your boss wants from you and you want from your boss. But that's absolutely what will set you apart in the marketplace, and it shouldn't be that hard, and it isn't that hard. When you make a deal with a customer, you do what you said you would do when you said you would do it the way you said you would do it, period. Anything other than that, by the way, is a lie. 
say we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. Let's say the person listening to this podcast is a small business person or a striving starting out person, and they're they're intimidated by sales. You said. Begin with the pain that you're going to solve. Understand what client pain or problem you are going to rectify. And then very clearly be able to paint a picture to articulate through your words or your computer screen or the picture or your promotional materials, the, the picture of what you're going to give to deliver. Uh, I'm going to deliver you a successful meeting. I'm going to deliver you, for me, uh, you know, a, a really successful business meeting. For instance, if you put me on the stage, uh, I sell uh, staple guns. I'm going to make it so that none of your bind, none of your papers ever come unbound. So, what what else do they need to know? They're starting out. They they're intimidated by sales. What's a starter outer need to know? Well, I think you have to know your product. You have to realize today in the marketplace, most customers know your product better than you know your product because they have the internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I go in to buy something, when you go in to buy something, haven't you done your research? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's the stat that uh, used to be the average car shopper went to the car lot or a car lot five and a half times before they made a purchase, mm-hmm. and now it's down to one to one and a half yeah. times because they've already looked around, they've already been online, they already know really what the price should be, and now it's just showing up and kicking the tires once and then hopping in it and driving it off the lot. Same way buying real estate, and you and I both talk a lot about the, how that industry is going away because we know the products uh uh, better than uh, the realtors know the products now because of Zillow and the other pages. But it works that way, way regardless of what you're selling. Chances are uh, your customer knows your product better than you. So you have to know what it is you're selling. And that's a mistake people make. Know what the hell you're talking about. Again, focus on the pain and the solution. And if you will just listen to the customer. I've said for years the customer already has all the information you need to make the sale. You just got to get the, the information from them. Ask big, open-ended questions. Yeah, if you ask the yes or no question, you'll get a yes or no response. If you ask enough questions, these folks will tell you what they need. I used to be guilty of this. I always wanted to go crazy explaining what I did, how I could do it, and all that. And then somewhere when you just, I don't know, five years in, you get a lot smarter about this. And you say, tell me what your, uh, what your problem is. You can ask them. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, it really becomes like waiting tables. <laughs> Walk up to the table, introduce yourself, and then say, what can I do for you? And it's really pretty simple from that standpoint. Closing you know, thoughts. And, and, and closing thought would be this. People think their solution is unique. And if I told you to go stand in a corner on your head and whistle uh, the Star Spangled Banner, Banner, if that solved your problem, you would buy it. The solution is secondary to the salesperson understanding the problem and the pain. If you do that and connect with people emotionally on the problem and the pain, so you make them feel the pain and then show them logically how you have a solution to that and then prove to them your solution costs less than the pain they're going to go through, they will buy from you. That is a great way to close it out. Illustrate, illustrate the solution fixes the pain as simply as that, mm-hmm. and you do that by listening. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Do Business Better podcast with my guest, Larry Wingett. Find him at LarryWingett.com. If you're really interested in improving your game, UltimateBusinessSummit.com is the thing that he puts on every year. You'll get a lot smarter. You'll be more successful, I promise. Till next time, it's the Do Business Better podcast. Thanks for joining us.